You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. There's a handout going around. I hope we get there. Um, the Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. Um, we'll look at that along with some other things. Uh, just going through kind of a Christmas class. Here we are. The, as, a, as my family's come to call this day, it's Christmas Adam. Because Adam comes before Eve, and tomorrow is Christmas Eve. So today's Christmas Adam. Yesterday was Christmas Eve Adam. It's the first thing one of mine said this morning. Today's Christmas. I was like, who are you? But anyway, I thought that was pretty clever. So um, with that, let's pray. Gracious Father, um, thank you for uh, this day. Um, that you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully... Receive Him for our Redeemer, as, uh, as our Redeemer, so we may with sure confidence behold Him when we shall come to be our Judge, who liveth and reigneth with Thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. I did not make that up. That's one of the Christmas collects um, that we pray on Christmas Day. Um, holds the two comings, and that will be a sub-theme throughout the day, of, uh, of Christ coming certainly and surely in history on uh on the day that we celebrate as Christmas, the Feast of the Incarnation in Bethlehem, but then also quite as surely and certainly the day he will come back um, and will come to reign uh, uh, on heaven as it, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and we'll hold those two, two comings, those two advents, those two um, uh, arrivals, as it were, throughout the, the class, I hope. But first, um, and today there's no images, and there's going to be some, some sounds uh, uh, we'll listen to um, uh, Alec Guinness, um, Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I guess some of us would know, um, of a certain age anyway. He's going to read uh, The Journey of the Magi, but then also listen to, uh, to Bob Dylan we'll listen to in just a minute with Adeste Fidelis, or as we know it, O Come All Ye Faithful. Um, but before we do that, and this is just, what I'm trying to do is I love this time of year, um, love to teach on it, and just sort of roll around a little bit in, in some of the well-known hymns and images and, and maybe some, some well-known, maybe not quite so well-known uh, verse that some of us might know, like the Journey of the Magi. It's hard to come up with something new at Christmas. I'm not supposed to. <laughs> you know, oh, Christmas is here. I know that story. Let's go back to it and hear that word again. Let me have that word uh, be poured into my ears. Or as Luke says, um, uh, let this word sink into your ears out of Luke 9. What a great phrase. I mean, it comes out of the gospel. And it's like, let this word sink into your ears as we wake up, um, uh, as it were, on Christmas, as Christ comes to us, um, as we celebrate that that uh, that arrival, um, the one who's not just with us, but for us. So with all that, I thought we'd just jump ahead to the end of the story um, with Bob Dylan coming out of the left field, uh, uh, so the left hand of God here, um, going back to the class I did at the beginning of, um, of, uh, of the fall, which some people remembered uh, at the end of last week. This is definitely the left-hand word. Where, uh, where would you expect somebody like Bob Dylan um, to come up with such profundity? That's selling Bob Dylan short, um, well-documented conversion um, right in the middle of his career. Uh, but in his nasally drawl that is oft imitated but never, uh, never captured in the way that he can do it, he starts off this well-known hymn in the way that it was first written, and that was in Latin. Um, now, it's not like, um, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, 
was written, I think, in the 11th century, 13th century, something like that. It's old, and it was uh, uh, it was it was it was written in Latin because that's the only thing they wrote in back then. Um, o come, O come, I mean, uh, O come, O ye faithful was written in the 18th century, but they wrote it in Latin anyway, even though that was sort of the high watermark for Christmas hymns and Christmas carols. Um, whoever wrote it, we're not quite sure, but they went ahead and wrote it in Latin. And Bob Dylan brings that out just to, I think, at least to my ear, let this word be uh, sink into my ear because it's it's just two degrees off center enough to make it be a little bit of a left-handed work where uh, it the, the the writing gets written in all capital letters um, uh, or the the volume gets turned up to eleven. So that you pay attention to it just a little bit more than I would if it's just the the very familiar and extraordinary hymn, uh, but Dylan sings it in Latin first. Um, so, with that, an old text sung by an old guy, um, where we think about the grammar of the gospel. Um, I didn't make up that phrase, but it's appropriate to talk about it here. Where the gospel, this word, more than a word, certainly a word, but the power of God through his word, as Paul says in Romans 1.16, the power of God for salvation unto all who hear. That's the gospel. It's not just information, but there's something that happens. It's like when my girls were little and they call out in the crib and they're crying or something else like that. And this is not unique to me. Every single human who's ever lived, slight hyperbola, what do you do when your baby's crying? You go up and you pick it up and you say a word where it performs the very thing which you're saying. And what do I say? I don't think about it. It just, shh, 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 shh. it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And that's the grammar of the gospel at work in a really unique but profound way where the word spoken, it's not information. I'm not waiting for my, my four-day-old child or my, you know, 80-whatever-old parent or whatever else to sort of say, okay, I understand that. You're right. Reasonable to, to sort of go ahead and calm them. It's a word that has power. The power of God unto salvation. The word which does something when it hits the ear. The word which performs the act which it describes. It's okay. It's okay. And there's peace. And there's peace. And it is okay. And the word which happens, the word spoken, is brought into a concrete reality, to an enfleshed reality, we might say, incarnated reality, where it all is there. God rest you Mary, gentlemen. Um, uh, one of the other hymns that we sing this time of year. You know, some uh, question about where the comma is, and Dickens famously put it in the wrong place in his Christmas carol, if you read it. It says, God rest you, comma, Mary, gentlemen. Um, and that's not the way it's written. It's the grammar of the gospel that's being written here, where it's God rest you, or, you know, we don't use that language, but it works. Have peace, be restful, um, keep you is what it sometimes means. God rest you, Mary. God keep you content and at peace, um, uh, for there's no more enmity with God. We're going to talk about the Prince of Peace, and that's what it is. It's not a horizontal peace that the prophet Isaiah, which we just heard so masterfully with our fifth grade, speaks of. It's peace with God. That peace with God which passes understanding. So we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. Again, Romans. Uh, God rest you, Mary. Be at peace, child, who hears this word. Shh, shh, shh. It's okay. It's okay. The grammar of the gospel coming out of left field, the left hand of God, through one no less than Bob Dylan, as he speaks the summons. 
Normally we think of a summons as what we would call in law gospel parlance, law. You know, sit down, stop, stand, run. You know, those are all commands, law. But when it comes on the ear from a certain mouth to a certain person at a particular time and in a particular context, shh, 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 quiet, quiet. It's not law. It's gospel. It's a word which brings peace where there is no peace or it brings uh, comfort where there is distress, hope where there is uh, hopelessness and a sense of place rather than being lost. And so we hear this text not as a, a word of law. Come, all ye faithful. It's like, oh, crap, he's back. i got to go. got to move. You know, it's like, no, no, no. All gospel, come. Come, all ye faithful, as in come unto me, all ye who travail and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, all ye faithful, with a great tense of the gospel, which happens in three places in time. The timeless word of the gospel happens in time in three ways. I was saved, I am saved, I am being saved. You know, come, all ye faithful, ye who were called, ye faithful, who were called, who are called, and who are being called as this word falls on your ear with a unique grammar. Come how? Come joyful and triumphant. Remember, shh, 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 it's okay. And the word falls on our ear and the thing which it speaks happens. Come joyful and triumphant. And you're right. And you're like, why am I? What is this joy? It's not happiness. It's deeper than that. In the midst of everything else that's going on in your life, and why do I feel triumphant when I should be defeated or joyful when I should be despondent? With this word of Christ's coming, come you faithful, come joyful and triumphant. Come where? Come to Bethlehem, that place which has been transformed from nowheresville to the place where God entered in, the house of bread, as Bethlehem says. And now it's the place where the living bread who comes that we have been hunger no more came into the world to save sinners. Come and behold the great word of repentance. Um, behold, awake, uh, I'm here. This is truly true and really real and actually actual. Behold, that word which we hear so often, which is so easy to miss. Come and behold, come and adore, come and adore. The only action response that's on the table when we come to see the child uh, uh, is adore, is wonder, love, awe, praise, adoration. Come, um, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come ye, O come ye, to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. God from God, light from light eternal. Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb, only begotten Son of the Father. Child, for us sinners, poor and in a manger, we would embrace thee with love and awe. Who would not love thee, loving us so dearly? Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us behold him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. To the sublime, I still will peanut out. Um, 
Uh, I don't want to play this because I like it the first two times I hear it again every year and then it gets really old. But D. Schneider, does that name mean anything to anybody else? Book covers, eighth grade, remember that? Boom. Twisted Sister, the singer of D. Schneider. You can get this on Spotify or wherever else. I played it years ago. It's still, they did a cover to, um, what was their big hit? Um, We're not going to take it. To the same tune, this fits. Oh, come all ye faithful. And they cover it. And you think, no, come on. You think, no, uh. But you know what? You find out, Internet's a wonderful thing. D. Schneider's a believing Christian. And when he sings, Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, it actually rises to a crescendo. And I almost tear up the first two times I hear it. I'm not kidding. I'm not. And then it's like, gosh, this is getting old. But... It's great. I do recommend it. Go listen um, and wait for the crescendo. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. I hear it, and Lord, I believe. It's, it's the gospel's word. He sings it. My ear hears it, and I'm faith by the word through no less than D. Schneider, of all things. And he's sitting there banging on the drum. I mean, it's, it is not a... Uh, pretty song but it's uh it's quite something so neither is um bob dylan but we're just going to listen so awkward pause sometimes listening in public but oh well here we are um time I'm going to move but it ends really well and it's just I hear cry I can't do that but you know oh come I mean it's just there's a a word again I would just say two degrees off where I hear that as he sings it uh, when I hear a choir sing it on Christmas Eve and both of those just go straight in it's a word that's poured into my ear uh, and I'm faced for a little bit until I stop hearing it and then I go back to Gill in the flesh, and I'm like, Rrr. but for, for that moment, when I'm not aware of time or anything else, there's, a, there's something. It's the Lord. Um, so, out of order, now going back into order, the story. We come to adore Him. Why, why do we come? 
Um, we heard it in Isaiah, um, so many different parts of Isaiah, but to, to hear this again. From Isaiah 9, one of the great uh, announcements, um, proclamations, foretellings that Christ is coming. Uh, we're not sure how. We find that out later. We're not sure where. Uh, we're not sure what to expect. But we hear this word from Isaiah, the ninth chapter. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Let hope well within us. Dare we hope for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This great prophecy to us. We, you, are a named and personal recipient of this word. To you is born this day. To us, those of us who are walking in the land of deep darkness, a child is born, a son is given, this great doublet to, uh, to make sure we don't miss it, the gracious gift and act of a ruler being born, being given to bring stability, security, victory, a lifetime of peace along with its fruits and its spoils in joy, in joy. Uh, the government will be on his shoulders. He's being given to us to rule and to reign as a ruler that we move towards with gratitude and in whom we can put our hope and our confidence. Uh, it is his kingdom and we are to be his subjects and we feel safe and secure. Uh, the counselor, the four words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, this superabundance of descriptions about this one who is to come to be the ruler of Israel, to be the ruler of you and of me for to us, the son is given um, uh, the counselor wisdom and clear and purposeful, the mighty God, a title for God himself, uh, the everlasting father, the protector and ruler, a king image more than sort of father, son and Holy Spirit. Not so much Trinity, but just a sense that that this is um, as trustworthy as a father, as close to you as a father, the everlasting father and then the prince of peace. And this is where expectations will be shifted because you would think uh, that we who walk in the land of darkness, we see horizontally, we see what we want to see. And we think, you know, the oppressors of my life, whether it's sickness or or war or famine or death or 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 anxiety or whatever it is that's keeping you up at night, um, that that's going to go away. And certainly it touches on that. But this Prince of Peace where uh, Paul does not miss the mark, of course, <laughs> uh, in Romans 5, where he says the problem is that we're weak and godless and still sinning, and we are God's enemy. And then God takes it upon his shoulders, and his government will not fail. And he says, you are no longer my enemy. For now, there is peace between you and me. God fixes what was broken. Uh, so with that, as we think about God in this coming of uh, out of Isaiah, where he set upon himself uh, 
and hangs himself, as it were, on a promise um, with that sort of entendre of hanging himself on the cross, uh, where he hangs himself on this promise, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the zeal of God Almighty himself will do this. He will accomplish this. He will finish this. It will be a satisfactory work. Brings in the atonement language, big fancy language from theology. That work which makes at one, at tone, it's a compound word that William Tyndall made up. Um, he will make this division, this enmity between God and me, between you and our Father. He will erase that. And he will make it okay. He will make us at one. Uh, how? By being hung on a tree, hanging himself on a promise and say, I will do this. You, Isaiah, cannot see how, but I will come into history at a particular time and in a particular place and make this happen. And that's where I want to bring T.S. Eliot into the conversation. Um, some of us will remember this. Um, it's been a few years since I've talked about it. Um, but a fairly well-known poem shows up in a lot of college courses um, uh, uh, where it's T.S. Eliot puts himself in the perspective of one of the magi, as told in Matthew, one of the wise men from the east who come to, uh, uh, to visit uh, the, the Christ, the child who has been born for us, um, to whom the Son has been given into the world. And they receive the prophecy and follow the star, and Matthew tells the story. T.S. Eliot um, imagines what the magi, one of the magi, would be thinking um, years later as he thinks about that trip that we took, um, uh, drips, especially stanzas two and three, drips, drips, drips with thick biblical imagery. Um, I'm not going to pick all of it apart. It would take a whole class, and maybe one day we'll do that. Um, but just to think about this long journey. Um, it was a journey, such a long journey, cold coming we had of it. Um, uh, to behold, there's that repentance word again, to behold clearly this child is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Uh, this long, strange journey to see the child that was born. And it's not nearly quite what they might have expected. Um, uh, let's listen, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Um, this is, it's, um, you can find him, T.S. Eliot, there's a recording of him doing it, him reading it as well. But this is Alec Guinness. Uh, which is, uh, he was in Star Wars, but a lot of other things too. What's the great movie? The Prisoner. I watched that not too long ago. Does anybody remember that movie? It's a good film with Alec Guinness in it. I think he won one of the awards, but about two and a half minutes. Um, and I handed it out in case you want to follow along, because sometimes it helps. A cold coming we had of it. Just the worst time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey. The way is deep and the weather's sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels, galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away, and wanting their liquor and women. And the night fires going out, and the lack of shelters, and the cities hostile, and the towns unfriendly. And the village is dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. 
Then at dawn we came down to a temperate valley, wet, below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky, and an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at an open door, dicing for pieces of silver, and feet kicking the empty wineskin. But there was no information. And so we continued and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the place. It was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember. And I would do it again, but set down this, set down this. Where we led all that way for birth or death, there was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us. Like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here, in the old dispensation, with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. So, time won't permit too much, but this enigma, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, wait, I thought we had this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and we go all this way in a cold coming. It was the worst time of year. It's a Lancelot Andrews poem. It starts that same way. Uh, and he shows up in the place, you may say, satisfactory. It's my favorite line. Um, brings in uh, this idea of the satisfaction of, of uh, the law's requirements. And Christ's death was satisfactory for, uh, for you and for me and for the sins of the world. Um, so he pulls that straight in. He says, wait, that, this is not what I thought. I, I've seen birth. I've seen death. I thought they were different. But And he goes in. He's not saying there's, there's wait, blood all over the manger. Now, is this birth blood or is this death blood? I thought they were different. I've seen birth, certainly. I've seen death. Who's birth? Who's death? And it's just suddenly... He's like, aha, I can't walk away the same. The old dispensation, sort of theological language again, it's very dense. Let's talk about the, the, uh, the epics of history where God dispenses his revelation or his grace. You know, problems with that, strictly speaking. But um, this idea that I saw it and now I walk away. And it's poured on my ear as I, as I see it, as I feel it, as my heart has been gripped. I'm not the same. And that's not always necessarily comfortable. Um, uh, he walks away, and I would do it again, certainly, but uh, but there's a lot of burp, but it was hard and bitter agony for us. Like death, our death. We returned to ease our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation, this period of history where God has folded on the one edge, he says, Christ has come 
But on the other edge, death is still around. And there's wars and famine and these things that this child that Isaiah said would take away, they're still here. He's come, and yet they're here. And it's in that Venness, the Venn diagram of this overlap. Um, we're not comfortable anymore um, with these alien people clutching their gods. He's speaking of himself, me. I should be glad of another death when finally this edge is erased and all I'm living in is that place which is prophesied of uh, peace. When I'm okay, when I don't forget the people that I love, when I don't forget God, and, uh, and I'm well, and I'm not fretting or dying or, uh, or seeing other people that I love fret or die. Cold coming we had of it. Um, so from that, I think Auden, this is the high culture part. Remember, I did do D. Schneider too, so just let the record show. Um, W.H. Auden's Christmas Oratorio, which is also there, uh, I think helps us with this, um, where he speaks just a snippet from it, uh, where Auden, as it were, stands up in the middle of his long poem and he says, We who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act, enter into the world? And the infinite become a finite fact, you know, enfleshed in flesh that will die. Infinity uh, encompassed into a finite fact. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. We who must die, we're all waiting for our death. In a macabre way to think of it, but it's true. Our fates, the fate has for it to be anything other then I'm coming to the to the end. That is death. We must have, in that sense, demand a miracle. We demand. There's an absoluteness to our need. Um, uh, it's not necessarily a demand in the face of of, uh, of the Almighty God saying, you know, give this to me or else, because we have no else from which to to fall back into. It's simply like if if this is going to happen, you promised. If this is going to happen, we demand a miracle because nothing that is possible, can save us. Um, and so it's the miracle, the sound of Christmas falling on the ear, which has to be a peculiar sound, peculiar in the sense that it is unrepeatable and utterly unique, um, never before and never since uh, heard, except that word which is miraculous. We who must die demand that. Our fates demand nothing less than something that is impossible. So what is this miracle, this bloody enigma uh, of the manger and the cross that comes together? This twin hearing of, uh, of our death, um, but also of our hope. And here's Annie Lennox. We're coming back to her with her great arrangement of In the Bleak Midwinter. Um, listen to the first two stanzas. I'm, I'm looking, I've been looking for about seven years now for somebody else to do something like what Annie Lennox did. And I've not seen it. I'm, I'm hoping Zach is even going to sort of do this for us one Christmas Eve. Um, where in the bleak midwinter, that's the old dispensation that uh, uh, T.S. Eliot's talking about. In this world, uh, in the bleak midwinter, in the, in the period of time where there's death, where I read the news today, oh boy, and there's just oh, obituaries, that's all there are. And, um, uh, in the bleak midwinter... Uh, 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 frosty wind made moan, where the wind, which is a strong theme for death in a lot of verse, um, the earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. So we have this hardness, iron, 
and stone, with some of the biblical imagery that comes across with that. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, reminiscent of C.S. Lewis's in, in, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, talking about when winter had come to Narnia, but it was always winter and never Christmas. Snow on snow on snow on snow, where it's just unrelenting death. Frosty wind made moan um, in the bleak midwinter long ago. And then she's going to raise it up in an arrangement that lifts it with the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven to sing in the major key, Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. It's like two poles of magnet coming and it just pushes away. They cannot occupy the same space at the same time. It cannot happen. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. That's in the new dispensation when all things and all manner of things are uh, when time is called up and it's no longer time for obituaries then on earth as it is in heaven the Lord God shall reign and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and for we O come all ye faithful who have been uh, summoned as the gospel summons to come and adore him we have no fear for that day we will see it and behold it face to face, behold him face to face in all wonder, love, and praise. But in the bleak midwinter, which is today, well, the obituaries, why death still reigns, in this dispensation where we're an alien people clutching our gods, we shall be glad of another death. The Lord's provision, Isaiah 9, still rings true. Uh, in the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed was sufficient, was our sufficient oblation and satisfaction. Um, a stable place, a stable place, a place of hay and manure and animals. It's not romantic. It's dirty, and it's the place you want to get into and get out of that serves nearly a function. But in the bleak midwinter, in a hidden, extraordinary way, that's how God says, I'm going to do the impossible. I'm coming in a way that you could never imagine. In the bleak midwinter, the stable place sufficed. And then just the exclamation, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Um, again, the gospel uh, sinking into our ears. Um, here's the Annie Lennox, first two verses of In the Bleak Midwinter. The last thing we'll listen to.
find a way to wrap up. Um, with all this in mind, pour it into our ears, letting it sink into our ears, um, we hear uh, Augustine's phrase, God latent in weakness. Um, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Um, set up our end, which will be John 1, and then Hark the Herald Angels Sing by Charles Wesley. But on the way, Exodus 33, not typically a Christmas text, uh, but as John 1, John's prologue, as it says, um, where the word becomes flesh and dwells among us full of grace and truth, and we have beheld his glory, glory as of the one and only. And we're going to hear Hark the Angels Sing, Glory, you know, why was glory the word on the angel's lips, the first word which they wanted to sing to us when Christ comes into the world? I think we go back to Exodus 33, that strange story that most of us will remember, where Moses says, Lord, I want to see you. And Lord's like, you don't know what you're asking. You see me and you die. No. It's like, I want to see you. Show me your glory. To see you is to see your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord actually shows patience with Moses. And he says, okay, kind of. You can't, you can't see me, Moses. That's going to be thunderous when John says, we have beheld his glory. Because he said, Moses, you can't see me, not yet. But this is what I'm going to do. There's a rock. And I'm going to put you. It's all in the passive tense where God does this to Moses. I'm going to put you in the cleft of that rock, in the hollow of that rock. And then I'm going to put my hand over your eyes. I'm going to cover your sight. And I'm going to pass by you. And then, when I've passed, I will remove my hand, and you can see my back part. You can see my posterior. You can see my weakness. Um, you can see, this is what Augustine meant, when God latent in weakness, you can behold the weak parts the uh, uh, the back parts of my glory. Um, and so that's what happens when John comes up and suddenly he has all that in mind. Um, uh, where John comes, let's just read John 1, where he speaks in the first part. Um, this is all from John 1, 1 through 18. He brings it all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, just like Genesis, was the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word, I'm sorry, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I hope by now we're hearing all the... Christmas hymns and Christmas verse and Christmas story just being poured in our ear and echoes going out everywhere. Um, but the light shines in the darkness. O oh, little town of Bethlehem, um, how still we see thee lie. Uh, the deep and dreamless sleep in thy dark streets. But a light shines, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, it cannot overcome it. For the light comes and the darkness flees away. Heaven and earth flee away. The two cannot coexist because then John's thunderous word, remember all that, that the interaction with Moses about glory, to see 
God's glory is to see and behold God himself. Uh, what Annie Lennox sings about in the second verse, we will see God. And at that moment, heaven and earth will flee away when he comes again to reign. Um, and, and Isaiah 9's prophecy and fulfillment. And, and there will be an unmediated, direct relationship and response to God. Um, where again, all we have left is to adore and wonder, love, all and praise. But in the bleak midwinter, God provides this. This word. Uh, this word of God, which was there before creation and at creation and which spoke everything that was into being, even the things that are not, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. If you were Moses, you'd be like, what? And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. You see, he comes back into the picture. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at his Father's side. He, this is Jesus Christ, the one for whom a stable place sufficed. He has made him. He, Jesus Christ, has made God known. So again, what's left? Come let us adore. Come let us adore. Love and awe and praise. All ye nations rise, behold, veiled in flesh, the Godhead. <laughs> Hail the incarnate deity, God himself in flesh, laying his glory by, born that man no more may die. So Charles Wesley's great hymn, we'll finish with this. Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with the angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem, hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, Christ by high and heaven, highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, Behold him, come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead. See, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth born to give them second birth. T.S. Eliot's word. So with that, come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Though we mourn in lonely exile here, we rejoice and rejoice that you have come to be God with us and God for us. Um, give us a good Christmas, Lord. Um, rest us merry and come with your gospel's power and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.